0: My name is the I'm a recovering and pulseable in Believe I'm I'm okay. um, so grateful to Carol for asking me to speak. It's a real honor to speak at this particular meeting. And um, unfortunately, I was hoping to be in this brilliant. Inspirational mood where I could sprout pearls of wisdom that would change all of your lives. More you into spiritual beings and that we'd all be gone to like after we left the meeting. Uh,
1: but unfortunately, uh, you
0: know, I've kind of been going through a rough time. And when I feel this way, I oftentimes, you know, don't want to speak. I don't want to be visible. I don't want to be seen in front of people. But I realize that. Uh, it's times like this when I'm, I really struggle with food a little bit more, and that's even more important time to be speaking at a meeting. Um, there's a lot of people here who know me um, and some who don't. And just for those who don't, I'm um, currently 34 years old. I came into the program at the age of 20. One day at a time, hopefully in uh, October I'll have 14 years of abstinence. <laughs> I came in through Alcoholics Anonymous I uh, had gotten drunk and tried to kill myself and went into treatment for uh, alcoholism but this was always my mother disease I, I always say that you know at five years old this is the only substance I could get my hands on and I, I always seem to just have this enamoration for food you know um, much like I guess the average woman might devour a GQ magazine I was interested in cake and you know and from an early age and um, I, you know I could just I always say this I remember being in the kitchen at like uh, I was about three and my mother was cooking cheese puffs and it, it was like it was like you know God was going to descend from the heavens and bless us all you know it, it just was I had this completely enamoration this enamoration of food and it gave me such joy and excitement and happiness and you know it started out that way but it certainly didn't end that. Uh, and that way. Um, by the time I got to treatment, I, I for alcoholism, I had been about 20 pounds overweight. While I was there, I put on about 25 pounds in a five week span. And uh, I ate tons of desserts, I got to be friends with the chef. If there was dessert <laughs> that needed some kind of topping, you know, <laughs> I was there to do it. Um, and I got for it then, humiliation of a disease. They used to put desserts out on the table for people to come up and take one after a meal. And I was going up two and three times, and everybody was noticing. And I was expanding quickly, my pants were busting open, and I was humiliated. I was really humiliated. And I remember being at one particular meeting, and I had a crush on the thigh and treatment, which was was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were at a meeting, and he didn't sit next to me, and I was so upset, so I went straight to the camp. I think that's when I really saw it for the first time because I always thought it was like the food tasted good or you know gee I don't know I just hadn't planned that well we just got one extra little thing and it just it, it, it was always some other reason and I think that's when one of the first times I got that clarity that I was really sick and that I needed help and. Um, I, while I was there, I heard about it over to Anonymous, and I heard that they suggested you eat three meals a day, and the day I was l- left treatment on October 3rd, 1992 is when I started to eat three meals a day. And my appetite has changed, and you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that from that time period. Um, but I, I think what happened to me in treatment was that I came to a point where uh, I was completely disgusted with my life and myself, and I was really willing to change. I think that's one of the biggest things when they talk about the first step and the fear power, in our case, over food, that our lives can become unmanageable. Um, Up until that point, you know, I had suffered years with, um, you know, at first it was easier to restrict myself and some days I'd have cookies for lunch and, You know, I would skip dinner if I ate too much at lunch, and then, you know, just have regular meals the next day, and then suddenly I couldn't do that anymore, and I was binging, and so I had to start purging to take care of the binging, and I never really understood why I purged. All I knew was that something was going on, I felt crazy, I would purge, and I would still feel crazy, but I would feel somehow like it was taken care of, or, or the beast had been satiated. And I never really understood what that was about, and I knew it was very weird, and it was my big secret. So when I was out amongst people, what you saw was not me. It was I was really, in my mind, I was like this horrific skeleton that was going to jump out of the closet with, you know, big massive teeth because I was this horrible person who was bulimic behind closed doors. And, you know, there's not a lot of... You, know, you see these glamorous movies about alcoholism and cocaine addiction, and the women and the limos. I mean, it's not like what it's like to swim and food back by yourself, and then chugging it up in the toilet. It's not glamorous, you know. Um, and and I think that in, in this particular disease, it's it's particularly isolating in that regard. It's purging, binging, and purging, and binging in general, it was something that I always, you know, most of the time I did alone. I did it a lot at family settings, I'm half Italian. I'm Irish ten, of course, I'm an AA in LA. <laughs> <laughs> and OA. Uh, you know, there were always ten-course meals on Sundays, and trying to somehow get through it all, and never quite making it. You know, I woke up every day thinking, today is going to be different. I'm going to starve myself this whole day, and I'm going to lose weight, and it's going to be better. And by, like, 11 a.m., I'd be eating, you know, cake for breakfast or some. I'd be off again, you know. I swore every day was going to be different, and it it never was. Especially, you know, I bogged out while I was in college, and I had this meal card, which was like a gold card for food. (laughs) I was up at school in in City, Buffalo, in New York, and I could just go to any any of the cafeterias and get whatever I wanted. And Jesus Christ, you know, it really did me in. Um... So anyway, when I first started going to OA, it was back in, in New York, and you know, coming from having been, at, and this is just my experience, and I feel that AA is a mother program, so it isn't just something to talk about, but um, when I went to AA and back in New York, people would swarm around you if you're a newcomer, and um, my first OA meeting, I, when I walked in, there was just one lady there with her head on the table, <laughs> I was like, um, this is the OA meeting, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't understand this Am I not supposed to eat uh, how do I how do I make it I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with the food and she said well it's you know it suggest just you eat three meals a day, and then she just kind of went back to this, and I waited for other people to get there, but that was kind of my first experience, but I was, oh, I'll tell you something, I didn't give a fuck about this place. I thought, you know what, if this, this over-eater anonymous thing, if this works, this is my oasis in the desert, because I, I didn't freaking care, you know, what I had to put myself through, I was just wanted anything so that the food was not on my back, that it was on my back, I mean, at that point in time, I couldn't even sleep on my stomach because I had such terrible um, acid burn from all the food I'd been eating. It was like up to my throat. Mm. So um, yeah, I was just so uncomfortable physically, mentally, spiritually. And so um, I kept going to meetings and found ones that were a little bit more receptive. Um, and, 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 uh, <laughs> Back in New York, they had a lot of abstinent and sober meetings, and my first year, I spent a lot of time in meetings, and the program, the 12-step way of life, became the center of my my world, and I was in anywhere from five to seven meetings a week between the two programs, and that, that first year was really like building a solid brick foundation for what was to come, and I, boy did I need that solid brick foundation for what was to come. Um, and mostly, I'll tell you, that the first year when I came in, my meals were very big. They were very large meals. And I still lost weight because I was not eating all day. Even if you go from eating all day to three banquets, you know, you're still, it, it was still better for me, you know. Um, and then slowly but surely, I... Um, you know accidents happen to me all I can say is that and I, and I I'm the person who every diet I've ever gone on I've gotten fat I don't know how to diet I, I don't even know how to lose weight what I know how to do is work the steps I know how to try and connect with God I know how to try and help other people and I know how to um, reach out when I feel that I'm getting a little rock and, and that's how the weight was affected that's all I can tell you how OA works exactly I'll never really know but I know that it does work, because I wouldn't be standing here otherwise. I mean, I was one of those. I was a gutter girl. I was like a gutter eater. I was a hardcore case. There was, um, you know, nothing more attractive to me than food. And like I always say when I was drinking, if there was not a man, or, man or Oreos or a beer involved, I would get off the couch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, So it's... It, Really, it's really a big, miraculous thing that I stand here. Uh, what happened was I got busy working the steps, and I had um, a couple sponsors in one of each program. and these were women who grilled my ass. They grilled my ass. There was nothing I could get away with. Uh, I was living with my mother at the time, who was like a raging compulsive overeater, and she I would buy abstinence food. She would eat it, and you know, I was really... Toe to toe with her all the time, constantly arguing, and I call up my sponsor. She did it again, and my sponsor would be like, "Yeah, huh? Okay, write a horse step." And I be like, Fuck it. "Crazy! How did you write a horse step? You know?" And I and I did. I had to take a look at whatever argument we had. I had to take a look at my part and I had to focus on my part and what was my part and what it had I done and so other people are sick too and didn't I know that she was insane by now and that I was dealing with a crazy person and so why didn't I shift the way I dealt with her you know and I had to really just and my sponsor would keep doing that and um, you know I really got into the habit instead of being the victim of the world and blaming everyone else realizing that I had a major part in things and that was a huge shift for me because you know, when I came in and saw steps six and seven we're entirely ready to have God remove all his defects in character. I was say that I thought I had two defects, my mother and my father. And <laughs> if <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't for those two, but, you know, I really just needed to take care of them and I was going to be to So it was a real eye-opener. And uh, I, I dated someone when I was a blue, about a year and a half abstinence, uh, and I, I really, you know, when I came in, I didn't date in my first year. They suggested that. It was a pretty big thing back in New And the reason I didn't date was because I felt that if I went through a breakup, I didn't know if I'd be able to handle it day, to stay after tiller. I just thought for me, I don't know if I can do it. So I didn't date till about a year, and sure enough, it didn't work out, and man, was I devastated. I was devastated. And that is when I really became a more spiritual human being because immediately my food was, I started getting really confused. I was down in college in the, at NYU and I would it would be lunchtime and I'd have like a three hour break and it used to be I'd go, I'd eat lunch and study. And I was spending like an hour going from restaurant to restaurant trying to figure out what to eat for lunch. And I was so confused and it was, I was becoming so obsessive. And I had to start calling my sponsor every day and turning my food over and I had to start packing most of my meals because I just got into this insanity. And I had to start crying more because I couldn't, of my own accord, what had been so easy when I had been on autopilot just figuring out my meals, suddenly became the most difficult thing in the world. And I came down to a more normal weight and like I said, it was just, sort of just happened to me. And I, I see a lot of people when they come in and, um, you know, I, I, I experienced this in other fellowships. I've been mean, many fellowships, unfortunately. They say, <laughs> if you're not in the least you're in denial. I don't want to share that. <laughs> <them>. um, <laughs> I don't want to share that. That was just my experience. <laughs> some people like to bridge back to life, or some tunnel the other 12-step programs. They've in the tunnel. I see people come in, and they want to lose weight like that. And that's why they're here. And there is a saying here, I came for the vanity, I stayed for the sanity. I personally, I didn't give a shit if I lost five pounds what I wanted to this one. I could have cared less. I wanted to not be hounded by the food. I wanted to just be able to be. I wanted to be able to not wake up and have my first thoughts be about food and all day long be about food. You know, at that point in time, I would be walking the streets of New York and see this homeless person pass out peeking on themselves and I would say, oh God, I wish I was mad but at least they're not obsessed with food. You know, that's, I mean, that's how it was for me. I really just was tortured beyond belief. And if I had called out my sponsor and she said, okay, Maria, to be absent, you need to crawl on your hands and knees, buck naked through the streets of New York and he'll be absent, I would have said, gee, I don't really want to do that, but okay, because I'll be absent. And it's better than being in the food. Because to me, the food is like I'm dead. It's, it's walking death. It's not like really dead because you don't have the peace or the release. You, it's like a zombie existence. And I hated it, and I hated myself above all. So um, I started getting into that. I uh, Also, the big book talks a lot about seeking outside help where necessary, and that came to me in different ways. It came to me and I needed to get more psychological help. I needed to um, explore things for physical exercise that were different from what I'd done previously. I got heavily into dance. Um, And I also started uh, going to all different kinds of spiritual things, you know, some in churches and... Native American stuff, and I drew a little bit from each thing because I was really curious about establishing a better picture and concept of my higher power. Well, at school, I was able to take a lot of classes on religion um, and just kind of glean a little bit from each class that I took because I was very, I kind of didn't understand God that much. Like, I couldn't understand why you pick a girl, give her an alcoholic father, and kind of like a mother who's just not really there. I couldn't really understand that. And I always had that belief with God in regards to that, um, and so it really helped me to kind of take a look at these other other ways of, of faith and, and try and extract a little bit from each one. And so that's how I started becoming familiar with Step Three, um, which you know came to believe, or sorry, means to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Now, for me, my higher power is female, which works. Well, for me, I think I don't think I had just one like higher power. You know, which, when I need to do things like clean the house, I pray to or fix something, I pray to a male god. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know better. Right? <laughs> uh, I'm more familiar with it. Um, so you know, but uh, I thought when I my first year, I read the, the third step from the big book. And I read it and I, and I thought, hey, I've read it. I really feel that. Okay, I'm done with the third step. <laughs> but let me tell you. <laughs> you know, as I've been in here, things of greater meaning to me have come along. And I've had to turn those things over too. You know, turning my life over when I had four months of absence and sobriety was not that hard because there was nothing in my life. <laughs> You know, I always laugh when people say, oh, I closed the blinds and turned the phone off. I didn't need to. Nobody was calling. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, my will and my life over at that in time is not really hard because there was nothing in it. And then as mm-hmm. things, it, you know, time passed and things came of greater meaning to me, greater significance, and um, I, I grew to love things and had hobbies and, and interests outside of OA and food and men and alcohol. Um it, it became harder to take that third step, and that's something I, I'm still challenged with uh, to this day. Um, you know, I I I think that when I'm in these spaces, and I've been I've been like passively aggressively quietly furious at God for the past two months or so, and I've never been one. Um, maybe maybe previously I would come to meetings and rant and wave a little bit more, but I. I tend now to just shut down and implode. And um, I get very furious about the way things go, and I feel it's not a spiritual thing to express that, or I don't want to look like I haven't been working my program, I guess, I don't know. So I keep it to myself, but I get mad about things. I get upset that things are the way they are, and I don't like the way they are. And um, so I've been going through that these these past uh, two months or so in a deeper level as far as, you know, Romance and finance, and what am I doing with my life, career-wise, and how am I supposed to figure all this out? And so, what what was usually prayer before bed and a little meditation, and I started being like, yeah, well, whatever, you're not really working for me, so um, I'm not going to do that right now. And I had a real realization last night. I spent some time meditating that, you know, uh, it's been it's been me who's taken a step back, and that it's been me who's been paying the price. And I literally pay a price when I don't meditate in many ways because I have a lot of neck and back pain. And when I meditate, something happens, and it really alleviates a lot of pain. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a spinal line or position that I do when I'm meditating, but I physically feel a lot better, feel a lot clearer. And, and so I've been really paying that price. Um, and, and the other thing I need to keep in mind that I learned a long time ago is that even if I'm yelling at God and I'm pissed off, at least I'm having a conversation, you know. Grown-up Catholic, they don't really encourage that, <laughs> which is why, um, for me, you know, it's great when I see other people come in and they, they reconnect with their religion with which they were raised, that was not my experience, um, but uh, as being raised it was not something, you didn't really have an intimate relationship with God, you had to go through 10 people to get a message to God. And, um, you know, ranting and raving was, you know, you were going to be struck down so you didn't do that. So, I, you know, sometimes I need to have it out. I really just need to have it out. And it's not pretty and I don't like it. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't think I like having feelings, to be honest with you. Even if I was never happy, I could just be even healed for the rest of my life. I might even just take that because I don't like feeling pain. I don't like feeling discomfort. Um, I don't like not knowing. I don't like being in the gray. And, you know, 08 for me has been like, welcome to the gray of life where you just don't freaking know. And I, I swear, I'll tell you, I felt like I knew so much more at two years than I do now. I really, my frontees will come to me and stuff and I'll have an idea and I'll be like, gee, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, my, my job as a sponsor is to help my frontee develop their relationship with their higher power through step work. And hope that the connection that they have will give them the information they need. Because you know, I don't know. I'm just one person, you know. I'm not a trained professional. I can't solve all these problems. All I can do is help them with their spiritual relationship, help them develop their own third step and intuition, and hopefully from that connection they can gain the insight they need to live their lives. Um, so at this point and in, in, in time this year, uh, this this past year, of my like 13th year has been um, it's been interesting. It's been. I, I work now. Um, I develop a lot of artistic things that I like to do. Um, the fact that I got into evolve with dance at all is uh, amazing for me. I was always like, like I said, a fat little art ass on the couch, and so getting up and actually doing things has been uh, like a real. It's been amazing, and I do dance sometimes now. And I'm just going to share this because for me, it's fucking amazing. I get our, our dance professionally one to get paid for it, and. Um, I never wanted anyone to see my physical being, you know. I'm too ashamed of that. And um, it's just freaking, like, I just can't believe it sometimes. And I'd like to think it's me, but it's really not. Uh, it's still hard for me when it's time to practice. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, it's really hard. Like, when I maybe do it times a week, but I'm doing it you know, like at least five or six. It's really hard for me, but... Um, I've been able to pursue things that I love because of OA. Because the only thing that I could pursue without OA was my food. Uh, With food. With binging and purging. The whole day was about binging and purging and how many calories. And I'm sitting here talking to you, but I'm really thinking about whether or not I'm going to buy something on the way home and stuff it on my face in the car or on the subway or, you know, what am I going to do with it? I'm not really here. So it's, it's allowed me to be really present. Um, I'm not a huge financial success. I'm not married. You know, my gains have been very much internal and a metamorphosis from within that's been expressed externally because the change has happened within. I'm a better person today. Um, I work with fifth-grade children, and um, I, I, I don't beat them. This <laughs> 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 a freaking miracle. Some days. <laughs> really pray it causes me to be a better person cause when you have eight p- kids coming up, and she just kind of takes a deep breath, and, and I pray a lot to help me to be of service to them on a daily basis. Um, it's not; it's, I enjoy the kids and stuff It's not mother one, at work. I've always wanted to do and I'll wrap this up by just about another minute, but um, for today, that's where I am, and it's not a painful job, it's, it's a pretty decent job, and um, you know, I get through it, and, and certainly I don't know. I much about, well, so much. You know, sometimes I fall into that trap. About my coworkers. I handle myself with integrity in dealing with my coworkers, and I do the best I can. And none of that would have been capable without, wouldn't have been possible without OA. So I think that's it for me today. And uh, thanks a lot for letting me share.